0: Thank you, Cantor. Addie, it's beautiful Psalm 27 rendition. I remember hearing it in synagogue during Elul El when I was growing up, and I remembered the words from the English and thinking, it keeps talking about God's temple and us dwelling in the house of God, and that's where God is. And so I imagined that was where God was, just in temple. Um, so I'm going to... Um, I'm going to give you a teaser. At the very end of my sermon, I'm going to tell you exactly what it actually means. And I think it's beautiful if you feel the presence of God, that you're dwelling in the house of God right now, but there's many other ways to do it. This month of Elul, according to Rashi, is very important not only because it leads up to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, but because the 40-day period between the first of Elul and Yom Kippur is the period of time that encapsulates the giving of the Ten Commandments. Rashi writes that on the 7th of Sivan, which is the month before Tammuz, Moses went up into the mountain, he came down. Forty days later, the tablets were broken because he saw the golden calf, and the golden calf was destroyed. And on the 19th day, he went up, and he spent 40 days on Mount Sinai, pleading with God for mercy for the people of Israel. On the 1st of Elul, he went back up to receive the second tablets of the Ten Commandments. And on the 10th of Tishrei, which is the day of Yom Kippur, God restored God's faith and forgave the people of Israel and took them back into God's heart, saying, I have forgiven you and all the people just as you have asked me and gave him the second tablets. This, to me, is always very interesting because we're given the Ten Commandments twice during this time period. Twice is symbolic because it is all about the nature of forgiveness. It's embedded in these days to remind us that we're all capable of making mistakes and we all deserve to be forgiven and we also all have to ask for forgiveness. It's also there to remind us of the story of the two sets of the tablets, the broken set and the whole. And it's actually from my favorite Midrash, the story about the two sets of tablets because the Midrash teaches that Both the broken set of the Ten Commandments and the whole intact set were contained in the holy ark that followed the Israelite people for the 40 years. And to me, this shows that somebody found a great deal of value in the broken tablets. After Moses, in anger, threw down the Ten Commandments and they shattered, somebody actually came back, they swept up the broken tablets, and then they placed them in the ark with the whole tablets. He or she made sure that they were included in the holy ark which reminds us that we're all broken and that part of our wholeness is that we contain brokenness. And in fact, the the work of um, the Kabbalist Rashid Hochma, teaches that the ark itself is a symbol of our human heart, sometimes broken, sometimes whole. Just before Elul began this year, Cantor Luck and I fulfilled a very important mitzvah. It's actually a mitzvah I had been waiting to do for over 20 years. We were invited to blow the shofar and sing, Take Me Out to the Ball Game for the seventh inning stretch at the Giants Jewish Heritage Night. Now, you might wonder what mitzvah that is. It is in the Torah, is it in the Talmud? Well, <laughs> what mitzvah involves baseball? Now, at a very young age, I became aware of how important the intersection was between baseball and the High Holy Days. Because when I was seven years old, it was the first time, and we came very late to synagogue, and we had to sit in the back rows during Yom Kippur in our synagogue in Chicago. And I noticed all over the synagogue, men with tiny little white (laughs) earpl- one tiny little earphone, not an eye, not an, what are they called? It was not an AirPod, believe me. This was the 70s. So it was just one earphone in their ear and a white wire trailing down somewhere into, and every once in a while, at the same time, two or three men would go, oh, like that. And I said to my mom, what's, what's happening? Why don't I have one of those? She goes, it's the World Series. <laughs> and all the men were listening to the World Series while the rabbi gave his sermon, and they were listening on a transistor radio. I learned that for some Jews, baseball is as or maybe more important than Yom Kippur, but people just wanted to hedge their bets. They wanted to listen to the game, but make sure they were in the seats for the Day of Judgment, obviously. Same year, I read about Sandy Koufax, the 12 season southpaw pitcher for the Brooklyn and LA Dodgers, who went down in history as the first Jew who refused to pitch in the World Series because it fell on Yom Kippur. It's that kind of mitzvah that I'm talking about. Some of you might be aware of the fact that the mitzvah mentioned about the shofar is not blowing the shofar, not the tekiah, but lishmoa kol shofar, hearing the blast of the shofar. It's not the blaster, but the one who hears who's fulfilling the mitzvah, which all of you fulfilled tonight when you heard the shofar blown. So what was the mitzvah that Cantor Luck and I were fulfilling by blasting the shofar and singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, which is definitely not a Jewish song? It was the mitzvah of visibility. Blowing the shofar and singing on Giant's Jewish Heritage Night was a statement that we are proud to be Jewish, we're more than happy to be on the big screen, and Jews are actually as American as baseball. I was also supremely proud of the trifecta of Reform clergy. Cantor Frommer from Sheriff Israel sang the national anthem, Cantor Lux sang Take Me Out to the Ball Game, and I blew the shofar. Now, to all of you, that seems like a normal lineup at Giants Jewish Heritage Night because we are your clergy. But it was the first year that the Chabad rabbis were not the only ones at Giants Jewish Heritage Night in front of everybody. Now, I have nothing against Chabad rabbis. Many of them are my friends, but in a vibrant, diverse city like San Francisco, one of the only times a crowd of 40,000 mostly Gentile baseball fans sees a rabbi is on Giants Jewish Heritage Night, and year after year after year, people always think that, well, Jews look like Hasidic Jews. How many of them have you seen in San Francisco? Not that many. But most people, I will tell you, because I live it, um, ask me things like, Wait, your rabbi, where are those things, those curls? Are you hiding them behind your ears? Or why, why don't you have a beard? Or the classic one I get is, Why are you wearing that little hat? I thought only rabbis were allowed to wear them. Hmm, right? So for me, two Reform cantors on the big screen singing and a lesbian rabbi carrying a shofar on Muni to the game seemed right. Now more, more, now more... It actually was kind of a big deal, I have to say, after all, after all those years. But more important than my own ego, it made a difference to the Jews at the game to see themselves represented in us as we represented the Jewish people. Today, we are asked in very serious ways to show up, to be counted in our community and to be visible. Showing up here tonight is a personal and public act of visibility and presence and pride. And in two weeks when we show up here for the High Holy Days in a very public display of our Jewish selves, we're not only fulfilling the Jewish mitzvah of visibility, but we're engaging in a practice of self-reflection, which is becoming more visible to ourselves. Because Elul this month is not about the public visible showing up. It's about the private visibility that comes once a year. It's the once-a-year opportunity we have to unearth and make visible the parts of us that we have the ability to change. Before the big showing up on the yamim norim, or the awesome days, we need to show up in smaller ways inside of ourselves, and we're commanded to do it, it's called a cheshbon HaNefesh, or an accounting of our souls, an accounting of our spiritual selves. And it's a good thing we have this month of Elul, 29 days, because that's how long it takes. You can imagine how many people on August 29th will call here in the morning and say, I just found out it's Rosh Hashanah, can I have a ticket? Now, that doesn't give you enough time to prepare your soul or your spirit. So we take all of Elul, we change the prayer book to prepare ourselves. And we listen carefully and with open hearts to the ram's call. I love the fact that we're commanded to listen to the call of this shofar for 29 days in a row. Imagine if everyone here fulfilled that mitzvah, the sound in your ears resonating through your body every single day of this month. Now, just in case you think that mitzvah is too far out of your reach, I do give shofar lessons but I'm not delusional. I know that most people aren't going to go out and buy a shofar and learn to blow it, but the good news is that it is 2019, and of course there is iShofar. Now, we don't like to use our, we don't like to use our phones. Wait. I got to make sure it's very loud for you. Okay, shh, you actually have to blow into it to make it work, it, that, that is strange to see somebody blowing into their cell phone and the sound of the shofar coming out. Now finally, Elul is special. The letters represent the words, Dodi vidodili. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. And that is about how close people who we love and who love us can be at this time, how far away they can be, but mostly it's about how do we get close to God. In fact, the words that we just sang, that come from Psalm 27, say, just one thing I've asked, only this do I seek, to dwell in God's house all the days of my life, to behold divine sweetness and beauty, and to gaze in delight at God's temple. So since that time when I was, in, when I was seven years old, and now eight years later, I, um, I'm here to tell you I have a few suggestions for just in a mundane daily way, that you can feel like you are living in the house of God. You could come here and you could be quiet and meditate in the chapel, or you could do one of these things. When Cantor Addy or Cantor Luck is chanting a prayer, close your eyes in silence for the entire prayer. Go outside to a grove of trees, take off your shoes, lie down and look up for 10 minutes. Drive or walk to the beach, Go to the edge of the water, sit down in the Pacific Ocean, and let the waves wash over you in silence for 15 minutes. Bake three challahs for Shabbat. Give two of them to friends who need them. Write a letter before Rosh Hashanah to someone you love. An actual letter, not an email. Get out a piece of paper, buy a stamp, get an envelope, go find a pen in a drawer, and write a letter. Buy a journal, turn off your phone for 15 minutes every single day for the next 15 days and write a poem to God or to yourself. Tonight, after services, walk over to someone who you always see or you've never seen before, someone you don't know, shake their hand or give them a hug, look right into their eyes and wish them a Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.